You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, Cleveland Browns fans. Thank you for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast. I'm your host, Jared Mueller. Thank you for taking a little bit of time with us, whether you're stopping in on Thursday as I'm recording this Thursday evening or Friday on your way to work. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing podcast network in the nation. And so hopefully you enjoyed yesterday's conversation. I uh, talked a lot about how uh, right after the Indians clinched going to the World Series, how all three Cleveland major sports franchises are exactly where they wanted to be this season. Both the Cavs and the Indians knew they would be competitive and wanted to compete for a championship. The Cavs obviously brought one home, ended the curse, put us in such a great place, and they'll pull up their rings on Tuesday the 25th. You know, the Indians are going to the World Series, uh, again, game one, Tuesday the 25th. And so both of those teams are exactly where they wanted to be and hope to be. And I think the Browns are there, too. And so that was the conversation yesterday, that the Browns are where they want to be uh, for a lot of reasons. So make sure you check that out. Uh, yesterday's podcast, Locked on Browns on 1019. Also talked a lot about Cody Kessler and where he is compared to uh, Andy Dalton, Dak Prescott, and even a little bit Carson Wentz. And so, uh, again, you can check that out from yesterday's podcast, uh, Locked on Browns, number 23 for 1019. And so today we start the preparation for this week's game against the rival Cincinnati Bengals. So Hugh Jackson returns home, uh, not home, returns back to Cincinnati where he was for a while uh, where he was before he went to Oakland, and then where he returned to after Oakland. And so um, for Hugh, it's kind of a return home. Um, it's interesting that Jackson was kind of set to be the, their heir apparent, but uh, Mike Brown would not kind of sign off on that to be an official thing. Something Marvin wanted, something reportedly Hugh wanted as well, uh, just didn't happen. And so now uh, he gets to return against kind of his old uh, mentor at some level. Uh, as the Bengals and Browns face off on uh, the 23rd, Sunday the 23rd at 1 p.m. on CBS. So we should be able to see that all over the state of Ohio. Uh, and so today kind of wanted to look at, uh, before we talk a little bit about Terrell Pryor and contract negotiations kind of at the end, wanted to look at where the Cincinnati Bengals are. And so we all know the Bengals, right? It's a team that uh, has looked great uh, over the last few years, has uh, put themselves in the playoffs, have, have looked like a team really to contend with, that if they could get a, the right play from Andy Dalton would kind of go over the top uh, and put themselves in a position to uh, maybe even go far in the playoffs. There are some that believe that they had a Super Bowl caliber roster the last couple of years. This year, not so much. And so uh, the Bengals are 2-4 and four. Uh, going into their game against the Browns. The Browns obviously are 0-6, so neither team has a great record. Um, obviously, it'd be very interesting if the Browns can get a victory, but we look at who the Bengals actually lost to, and I think it puts a little bit uh, in perspective, uh, and who they beat uh, kind of actually changes that a little bit or makes it a little bit more interesting. And so, so far, uh, the Bengals have lost to the Steelers, the Broncos, the Cowboys, and the Patriots. That's a lot of good teams that have uh, put losses uh, in that column for the Bengals. And then you look at their two wins, a win against the lowly Jets in the opening week by one point, 
and then um, a pretty good drubbing to the Miami Dolphins, 22-7. And so while the, the Bengals are 2-4, and four, it's important to know what 2-4 and four means. Four losses to the Steelers, Broncos, Cowboys, and Patriots are four kind of quality losses. For many teams, those games are kind of more scattered throughout the, the season. And so if the Bengals would have faced the Steelers in Week 2, the Broncos in week seven, the Cowboys in week 11, and the Patriots in week 15, probably wouldn't, people wouldn't be that stressed by these four losses. The reason many people are stressed by the four losses is the fact that they are in the first six weeks of the season and that the Bengals just haven't seemed themselves. They haven't looked like a team that is ready to kind of dominate. It looks like their roster really is uh, struggling without. Uh, Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and then obviously Tyler Eifert has still uh, been out with his injury. Uh, outside of A.J. Green, they really haven't showed uh, that they really have the kind of dynamic weapons that they've had over the years that have really made up for the limitations of Andy Dalton. Tyler Boyd, their second-round pick, has, has had had his ups and downs, as many uh, rookies do. And so um, the Bengals just aren't impressive overall because they're two and four. And so we automatically kind of start looking for the negatives. So let's start looking at some of the statistics for the Bengals. Uh, so offensively right now, they're 11th in the league in yards. That's pretty reasonable. That's not a bad number for the Bengals. They're sixth overall in passing, which kind of goes against the fact that they uh, don't have enough weapons. Sixth overall in passing, not bad again, um, but then rushing something that really they should try to kind of hang their hat on with Dalton not having a lot of weapons, uh, not wanting to wear out A.J. Green. Instead, the Bengals are down at 23rd in the league in rushing, only 539 yards. To give you a comparison, the, the Browns are currently at 664 yards rushing after really getting shut down uh, by the Patriots and the Titans. They still have a pretty significant lead, over 100 yards total, more than the Bengals. And so offensively, the Bengals just haven't really um, taken over games, uh, haven't really controlled games the way they have in the past. Uh, uh, their running back core really isn't getting the job done. Their offensive line looks like it's aged in decades instead of years. Uh, they just really haven't been uh, the Bengals team that they had been under Hugh Jackson. And so you have to question whether or not Hugh Jackson was a big part, and obviously he was, which led to him getting the offensive uh, or getting the head coaching job. But are they missing Hugh Jackson, or is it a talent issue because they lost some other players? And so that'll be interesting on the offensive side. Defensively, you look at the Bengals; they're 17th in the league in yards given up. Okay, not terrible, but again, not great. Their passing defense is 19th in the league. Again not terrible. They're not the Cleveland Browns, the Browns who are tied for 27th in the league with 1,712 yards given up, uh, tied with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so they're 19th in the league, 1,481. Not Again, not terrible, not great. I think I've used that word, those kind of words to describe the Bengals this season so far uh, a couple times. And then rushing yards, they're giving up. The, they're the 22nd best rushing defense in the league. Again, not terrible not really average. They're kind of down there, right? And so, again, the Browns are down at 27th in the league. 
The Bengals are at 22nd, about a 60-yard difference between the two teams. But again, a Bengals team that seems to be built around an amazing roster with a crap ton of talent is just good in a lot of different areas or just okay in others. So we're not talking about a team that is dominating in any very specific area. Their passing offense is pretty good. But besides that, this isn't a team that has really taken over. Yes, again, they've faced some really talented teams. But if they're going to be a really talented team, you would expect they'd win one, maybe two of those tough games that they faced. Unfortunately, their two wins are against the Jets and the Dolphins, two teams that aren't very good. If they win this week, again, they can only play who's on their schedule. But if they win this week, that's another game that can kind of be pushed aside as just beating a very bad team. Again, the Browns are the only team in the league with no victories. And so um, as we kind of preview where the Bengals are, I think you see a run-of-the-mill team whose window seems like it has closed. Without the hugely dynamic roster, Andy Dalton can't carry the team on his own. A.J. Green is great. He obviously is an amazing wide receiver. But outside of him, Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard, um, some of the offensive linemen that they've drafted over the last few years, they they have some talent there. But is it enough that they can kind of raise Andy Dalton's game? And again, that's a funny thing to say because Andy Dalton hasn't shown that he can raise his game when it matters the most, when the bright lights are on. That's why this game... Uh, we'll kind of give you a little little spoiler alert. If this game was played on Monday Night Football, was played on Thursday Night Football, I'd probably predict the Browns to win, purely because Andy Dalton has struggled significantly when the bright lights are on and expectations are high. When expectations are low, or it's Sunday at 1 p.m. against an 0-6 Browns team, he tends to do pretty good. So I expect him to do pretty good against a Browns team that struggles mightily, especially against the pass. And so that's just kind of a spoiler alert for tomorrow, Friday's uh, Lockdown Browns podcast, which will include um, some predictions and just kind of looking at uh, where the Browns are. So we have an idea. Obviously, you're Browns fans. You're listening to this podcast. You know where the Browns are. Um, but we'll talk about where the Browns are, where I can see them attacking the Bengals, where I think the Bengals' biggest weaknesses are. Again, they're a good, not great team. The only thing they have great about them uh, is that they pass the ball a ton, leading to a lot of passing yards. So we'll finish up today talking about Terrell Pryor. Again, Pryor has obviously been the excitement of the Browns. Uh, This big play receiver who has converted from quarterback, who can run the ball, can throw the ball, and, and can catch. Again, I've been amazed by his ability to develop as a wide receiver running routes, how to use your hands, how to get off of press, uh, how to catch the ball with your hands, how to toe tap, how to do a lot of those things are things that are just so difficult for wide receivers. They're just difficult to to learn, to grow into, to make consistent. I think Pryor has done a great job of doing them. There are some things he obviously still needs to work on, uh, oftentimes on some of those uh, crossing routes where his big body and long strides could do amazing damage. He finds himself kind of coming back too far to the quarterback, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, Gives the quarterback more options. Uh, But if the quarterback thinks he's going to be five yards deep on that and and he's only three, that can create some throws that are over his head or out of stride and all of those kind of things. 
uh, creates some uh, some difficulties there. The other thing it's done a couple of times is it's actually caused some problems for um, getting first downs because Pryor has come back behind the, the first down marker uh, and just hasn't gotten there. And so um, so for Pryor, there's some development still to do. But again, but again, he has done an amazing job converting to wide receiver for being a quarterback. I do have to question whether some of his amazing job is because he's um, targeted so much. So he's become this high volume kind of targeted receiver, similar to Josh Gordon a couple years ago, where pretty much every pass went to Gordon. And so obviously he's going to look great because he was force fed that. And so um, that year Gordon had a ton of receptions but he really caught around, I believe it was around a half, I'll have to look it up, but about half or a little bit more than a half of the, the full targets that he got. And so while 80 receptions is great, when you're targeted 150 times, you should catch 80 balls. You are going to get a ton of yardage. You're going to get a ton of opportunities. And that's something we're seeing from prior. Now, he's getting a lot of opportunities. He's getting a lot of targets, leads the team. Uh, just a ton of those. And so um, the numbers are going to look good. What we've seen from from prior, though, is this competitive nature, this desire to win, this desire to work. Um, he's still highly passionate. It's going to get him to, into some trouble sometimes. He gets frustrated easily. But I'd rather have someone who wants it that badly compared to players who are just okay with losing. And prior, like Josh McCown, like Cody Kessler, like a few other players, just doesn't seem okay with losing. He's he's kind of become the leader, the heart of the team. And so this report from ESPN that the Browns and Pryor's uh, agent have begun, quote, very preliminary, unquote, discussions on a long-term deal is exciting. He is a type of player the Browns should try to keep around. They didn't do that with some of their other young guys. Pryor's already 27, though, right? And so... While I have some concerns about him being a high-volume kind of guy, uh, so his numbers look great, the reality is, is who knows what the Browns should pay this guy? He has so far less than a year. He's got six games showing that he really can produce, but he's already 27 years old. He will be an unrestricted free agent. He has very little experience. We have no idea what his upside is going to be. We have no idea what his ceiling is. We have no idea if this is a fluke. And as uh, defenders and defensive coordinators kind of get uh, more and more game film on him, are able to really figure him out, um, we know that that can happen sometimes. Normally it's with a uh, quarterback, uh, not really a wide receiver, sometimes with defenders. But still, is we don't know. We just don't know what he is. But his agent is going to point to the numbers. His agent is going to point to his size. His agent is going to say he's a young 27, which is true, but he's a young 27 because he doesn't have a lot of hits on his body after playing quarterback and not really a playing a ton uh, the last few years. And so what do the Browns pay him? Where do they put their money? Is it in someone like Pryor? Do they take kind of that risk uh, with a player who has very little history but has shown amazing development and huge heart? Do they see if they can kind of create a contract similar to like a Colin Kaepernick contract, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, the quarterbacks who got some big money, 
but their contracts are sort of year to year depending on how they play. Will they be able to talk their agent into that? So will they give a little bit more per year with the ability to get out of the contract if they see that prior just cannot really kind of continue to build on who he's become? Listen, the Browns have a crap ton of money. All right, They've got, by some estimates, right around $50,000 uh, that they'll be able to spend next year or more, um, according to Sports Track. Um, and then ESPN's article, they talk about current kind of unrestricted free agents the Browns will have after the season. And if some of these names don't sound too familiar or sound interesting, it's because they are, because they just got there. Britton Colquitt, our punter. Okay. Jonathan Cooper, the guard we just picked up off of waivers. Whatever. Corey Lemonier, the linebacker we picked up from waivers from the San Francisco 49ers. All right. Stephen Paella, the defensive lineman we picked up after Washington cut him. All right. Jordan Poyer, he's out hurt. Not a bad third safety, but he's not someone who's going to get a ton of money. Austin Pastor, our starting right tackle. Again, they like him. Obviously, he's their starting right tackle, but probably not worth a huge amount of money. And then Jamar Taylor, the cornerback they just picked up from Miami, who they just really gave him away. So the Browns have a ton of cap space. Signing Terrell Pryor just makes all the sense in the world. The question is, is does the analytics department, does Hugh Jackson – are they able to figure out what a right number is? It's not about whether or not they want to re-sign him or not. It's about figuring out what number are they willing to sign him at, given the fact that he has six games so far. Even at the end of the season, he'll have 16 games, and as an unrestricted free agent, have all the leverage in the world. I'm not sure, but I think for Brown's kind of PR, and the fact that Pryor has shown to be very, very talented, they need to get that done. Whether or not his agent decides to play hardball because he would know that, because if I know it, he knows it, is another story. The Browns won't allow themselves to get totally ripped off, but they need to try to make this happen. Terrell Pryor may not ever be the number one receiver in the league. He may not be Julio Jones, A.J. Green, those kind of players but he can be darn good and kind of just barely at under that based on what we've seen so far in his progression as a wide receiver. Pair him with Corey Coleman, and all of a sudden the Browns are chock full of talented wide receivers. They just need to get the man signed. Thanks for stopping by today's Locked on Browns podcast, whether you're listening Thursday night as I'm uh, going to publish this or Friday morning on your way into work. I really appreciate you taking time. Uh, for this Lockdown Browns podcast. Again, my name is Jared Mueller. You can find all of my stuff uh, on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. You can find all of my writing on the Orange and Brown Report covering the Browns. That's theobr.com. We are a part of Scout Media. You can find my Cavs coverage on the Wine and Gold Report. And soon to be coming your way, hopefully on Monday, will be the CLE for me. It'll be a website that I am in charge of for the, for Scout Media, covering everything related to Cleveland sports, some Cleveland cultural stuff, Ohio State, uh, some little bit of WWE, a uh, little bit of recruiting, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So not your standard website. Uh, we'll pull in a lot of material from the OBR, from Wine and Gold Report, from um, the Buckeye site, 
from Indians on uh, Scout, all of those kind of sites. We'll try to bring all of that together. Uh, but the CLE for me uh, will be coming up very, very soon. And I'm really excited for the roster of writers that we'll be bringing to you as a part of Scout Media. Uh, because right now, Cleveland is the mecca. It's the center of the sports world. And we at Scout Media want to cover that uh, in any way we can. And the CLE for me is going to be a site for you. Hopefully you'll you'll enjoy some of the creativity we have there. Again, my name is Jared Mueller. Thanks for being locked on Browns. I know you as the fans are always locked on our team. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.